Joseph was engaged to Mary. That is, he had no doubt negotiated with her parents that she would become his bride. But he had not yet taken her into his home, which would have been, that would have been marriage in those days, for him to go get her, bring her back to his home, and then she would have formerly been his wife. It was in this in-between time, this in-between time between the engagement and the actual marriage that Joseph noticed Mary was with child. She was pregnant. And if there was one thing he knew for certain, it was that he was not the father. He was not the father of this child, and so he was a good and decent man. He decided he would just put her away quietly. He didn't want to embarrass her any more than, than, than would naturally be the case, so he was determined just to put her aside quietly. It was just at this time, this in-between time, that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said to him, Joseph, son of David, Let's stop right there. Son of David. <clears throat> Joseph was of David's line, of David's family. He was, he was the great, 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 ever so many great grandson of David. He was of the royal family, and, and it was widely believed that when the Messiah came, he would be of David's family. He would be a son of David. Joseph was a son of David, and his son would be a son of David. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, to take her into your home, for the child that is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, <laughs> yes. I don't know what Joseph thought at that point. Uh, I, I have no idea what he actually thought. It's difficult. Uh, I think it's been difficult for many Christians through the ages. Uh, you know, how did this happen? How, how is a child conceived through the Holy Spirit? God only knows. I say that not as a flippant phrase, but as truth. God only knows. It's simply given to us as fact for our faith. If you try to figure it out, you'll just get into difficulties. It's just given to us as fact, and we live with that. Now, there are good reasons for God doing that, but to understand how it happened, I, I have the foggiest idea. Now, Stephen's a PhD. Do you have any idea, Stephen, how that happened? No, you don't, you don't know either, do you? God only knows, right? God only knows. But it's given to us as fact. Given to us as an article of faith. Simply to be accepted. Or not, as the case may be. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. To take her into your home. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, 
and you are to name him, stop again, you are to name him, Joseph is to name him. In other words, Joseph is to, to take over the responsibilities in law, in custom, in, in, in the secular world. He's to take over the responsibility of being the father, father's job. Name your son. Joseph is to give him a name, right? You will name him. And in the eyes of all the world around you, you will be, what? His father. You will be his father. We know otherwise. Joseph knew otherwise. But in the eyes of the world, Joseph would be his father. And he names him. He says, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people. Jesus. Yahshua. Yeshua. Joshua. Whatever. It's a common Old Testament name. Joshua. You led the people across the Jordan into the promised land. It means, it means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. God is salvation. Now, if, if you were listening in on this conversation in those days, if you were one of the people that, that lived in, in, in Palestine in those days, and you heard this said, if you heard it said, his name should be Jesus, for he will save his people, you would have probably ended that sentence by saying, he will save his people from Roman domination. That's the expected end of that sentence. It really is. He will save his people from oppression by, the, by this Roman occupation. He will be a what? A fighting Messiah, right? He will come and deliver his people from this terrible Roman oppression and set us free again. That's not what the angel said, is it? The angel said something else. He said, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. From their sins. Not necessarily from Rome or, or anywhere else, but from their sins. And notice the way, notice the, way the sentence the sentence is, is written. It's, it's important. It's really an important thing. His name shall be Jesus, that is, Yahweh, or God, is salvation. Hmm? Then it says, for he will save his people from their sins. Who will? Jesus will. Jesus, who is, dare we say it, Yahweh in the flesh, God in the flesh, that's what St. John tells us in the first chapter of his gospel, isn't it? The word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, and we have beheld his glory. Matthew's saying the same thing here, a slightly different way, but he's saying the same thing. This is Jesus, this Jesus and we'll get more of this in a minute as we go on. This Jesus is from God, of God, of God's very self. He's come to save his people from their sins. people. You, me, all those people in between to save us from our sins. How do you get saved from your sins, do you know? People have talked about this for thousands of years, I guess. How do you get saved? You know, some people think you get saved from your sins by, by scolding. 
If I scold you enough, you, you'll, you'll get over your sins. Guess what? You know that doesn't work, does it? How about punishment? If I punish you enough, will I get you over your sins? Never works, does it? In fact, it probably just makes you bitter. Or another way to do with sin is simply to ignore it. You know, you can do that. Does that make sin go away if you just kind of ignore it? There's only one way that really deals with sin. You know what that is? It's forgiveness. Sin has no power when it's forgiven. It, it loses all its power. All its power. What can sin do to you anymore if you're forgiven? Just on a human level, if the one you've offended forgives you, what's to be said? It's a done deal. It's over with. Likewise, when God forgives you, what can you do about it? It's just done. The only thing that's called from you is, is to, to confess you, to acknowledge your sin, to know you're a sinner. That, I mean, if you don't know that, then there's, it's hard to get forgiven because there's no connection. It isn't that, it isn't that that's somehow a, that's not a, 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 a price you pay. Forgive, confession is not a price you pay to get forgiven. But it's simply that there's no connection if there's no confession. That things don't fit together. Forgiveness is free. Set you free. You know, some of you, probably most of you don't know this, for the last 50, 60 or more years, there's been a discussion among New Testament scholars. And many New Testament scholars are now saying today that forgiveness isn't really what the New Testament's about. It's really about something else. It's, it's basically about God accepting Gentiles into the new community. And, and that's true. Paul says that in, that in that second lesson for today. Paul says that. His mission was to, to welcome Gentiles into the community. And forgiveness is there, sure. The New Testament talks about forgiveness. But the real thing is this inclusion of Gentiles. I don't think Matthew would have said that. I mean, surely there is inclusion of Gentiles. But, but why? So that God will forgive them. Receive them. Love them. Like you, each one of you, God loves you, forgives you. As I often say, he sent me here today to tell you that, that you are his child. You are forgiven in the blessed love of Jesus. And Jesus sealed those promises on the cross with his blood. You can trust them. Your sins are forgiven, I'm telling you right now. Whatever they are, wherever you come from, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. Your sins are forgiven. Totally. Wiped out. You have a clean slate at this very moment. A new start today. That's what he's telling us here. Jesus, name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Say through the word forgiveness and love. Then he went on to say, All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When we read that Old Testament lesson, it had the same words in it, remember, from Isaiah chapter 7? Ahaz was a king, he was not a good king. 
And Jerusalem was under threat. It was, it was a time when the nation was under threat. And God said, I'll give you a sign. Or through Isaiah, he said, I'll give you a sign. Ahaz acted very pious, said, no, I wouldn't ask God for a sign. And Isaiah said, I'll give you a sign anyway. A virgin, sometimes it said a young woman, but don't let people confuse you about that. It was assumed in those days that a young woman would be a virgin, so that, that, that's a mute question, really. A virgin shall bear a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel, or he shall be named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That was God's promise to be with the people. There were hard times coming, but God would be with his people. Now at the time, in the years following, they thought maybe that was Hezekiah, Ahaz's son, who turned out to be a pretty good king. But Matthew's saying, no, 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 this is not Hezekiah we're talking about. This is the one that Isaiah is pointing to. This one, this Jesus. He is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. Do you hear the radicality of those words? They're absolutely radical. God is with us in this, this man, this child, this, this one that comes. This is God with us. With us in that babe born in Bethlehem, with us in that man who, who, who walked around Galilee forgiving people, healing people, casting out demons, the whole business, with, with, with us all through that, with us on the cross, with us in death, in death, dying with us, and with us always, always. St. Matthew's very clever here, and, and he, he fits the story together like this, bookends, if you will. He has this in the first chapter. In the last chapter, you know what the last words of Jesus are in Matthew's Gospel? Anybody remember? Lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. I am with you always. And so he is. With us in his words, with us in his promises, with us in this community, with us at the table, with us at the farm, always with us. Not seen, but we, we can touch him in each other. In about 10 minutes, we're going to reach out to each other and say, peace. Who's saying that? Whose words are they? Whose words are they? They're his words. His words for each and every one of you. Peace be with you. So he is with us. Even now, always with us. And this is the promise of Matthew's gospel, the promise of God, Jesus' promise. He's with us to forgive you, to love you, to give you a new start each and every morning. Each and every morning, a brand new start. Because you are his child. You are his child. And God is indeed with us. God is with us. In Jesus Christ our Lord.